You're listening to Joy Coaching America with the Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant, spreading upbeat, uplifting, informative messages of hope and happiness from sea to shining sea from our home in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. Welcome to Joy Coaching America. This is Karen Lynn Grant with part two with Dr. John Skidmore, who has authored, co-authored a book called Conquer Anxiety, How to Overcome Anxiety and Optimize Your Performance. Boy, that, that last week's call was so phenomenal. I loved it. I feel like there's so many people I want to hear this podcast as it comes out. It will be available 24-7. It can be available on your website and mine. I'm so excited. And you left us on a cliffhanger because you, I asked you for a tip and you said, this is complete. Would you explain what this is complete means? And it completed the show because we were out of time. So here we are back with more wisdom. Most people have the mindset that the more I practice, the better my performance is going to be. And since there's no end to how much I could practice, I've got to practice more and more and more and more for it to be really good. But there's always a time limit for a performance. If the concert's Friday night, you don't have any more time to perform. And so to walk into the performance Friday night saying my pressure, my preparation is incomplete creates anxiety. Oh, that makes sense. I was doing this with a marching band and I was in my big final wrap up kind of thing. And the director said, John, I got to stop you. He walks up there, takes over the microphone and says, okay, band all week long. I've been telling you that we are not going to be ready for Friday or Saturday, but we're going to be doing it anyway because there's big holes in our show. Okay. I was wrong. Our preparation is complete for Saturday. Perfect. He caught the difference of what that would do for him. What it would do for all those students. Yes. See, something can be complete with holes in it. Preparation doesn't have to be perfect to have a perfect performance. We get to say, or to have a peak performance. Preparation is our preparation. Whatever we've been able to do, both mentally and technically, is what we've been able to do. As soon as we call our preparation complete, it does something to our brain allows us to turn off the analyzer brain. I don't need to tweak, adjust, shift, move, shine, any shinier. It's complete. Just you the finished way your book. Yes. And you had to tell yourself, this is complete. And there's even holes in my book. I know there are holes in my book. And you probably can think of what you do different in the second edition. Oh, yeah. We're working on that. <laughs> and so <laughs> um, declaring your preparation complete allows that analyzer side of the brain to turn off as you decided this is complete. Um, one of the most endearing compliments I've ever received from any of my workshops was from a mom who spent the morning watching her daughter in the workshop. I'm wrapping up and I'm asking for comments about the experience. And this mom very tentatively said, could I comment? And it's like, please. I loved it when she simply said, all she said was, I can sign my paintings now. Wow. Wow. I can sign my paintings now. She could technically, she could actually call it complete now. It's like, wow, I can sign my paintings now. So it's so interesting as we look at our brain, because this takes us into the brain and the peak performance tool. Because when we're analyzing and judging, we're not in that peak performance state. Talking about flow, and this is something we talk a lot about in the, the, my book, 
the five stages are literally a flow hack. You plug something into the five stages and stepping into that sense of flow where peak performance really elevates. Um, there's three promises I share with people all the time about these five stages. Your willingness to perform is going to go up. You bring this into your performance quality or into your performance process, your willingness to put yourself out there, to take those risks, to risk again, it's going up. The quality of what you're doing is going up because you're in a better space to produce and share what you've got to share. And most importantly, your enjoyment of the process elevates. This is making so much sense. And I just feel like what a wonderful career path you're on. You have found your purpose, your calling and your mission, and you are going to change lives exponentially. Like I just see this ripple effect in my mind of the work that you do. It's going to carry on, not just in singing, not just in dancing, not just in performing on stage, but in the decisions that people make in their performance as a father, as a mother, in their marriages, in their parenting styles. And I know we many years ago talked about a parenting class, but this is wonderful. It is phenomenal to me. I'm gleaning pearls all over the place from it. And I hope that you as a listening audience are too, as you continue, John, sharing more tools from your book. I just had to stop and edify what Thank you're you. doing because it's you. so exciting. It is exciting. I've had the privilege of being a clinical psychologist and working in that role for the last 30 years. And it is a role of healing and supporting and really helping people break through those things that would prevent, I mean, just absolutely you know, stop them from running whatever race they want to run. And I'm grateful for that experience. And now as I'm shifting more in the coaching domain, it's about people who know how to run. And I want to help them run better and faster and stronger in the directions that they really want to go. And that's what I see these five stages do. Um, I had a, a friend describe it as, John, you have demystified performance. See, so it's like, it's not a mystery. It's not a, how come it was so good or how come it was so bad? Not a haphazard. It might've turned out this time. What made it turn out this time when it didn't turn out that time? Yeah, it, it's really an amazing process. So we go from stage one, if you didn't hear last week, is what are we doing? Why are we doing this? What's the mindset I've designed? Stage two is all about taking that designed mindset of boldness and confidence and freedom or excitement, enthusiasm of joy, and bringing it to your practice development experience. Who enjoys a lesson? What a concept to be able to go in and enjoy a training. Most of us are saying, oh, that's going to be boring. That's going to be hard. You know, you get whacked, your knuckles get whacked. This isn't going to be any fun at all. Um, and so to bring that attitude of confidence, boldness, joy, excitement into all the development experience, all that practice time. And again, for, for big projects, there's times this is, I'm hating this. I don't want to do this. Okay, this isn't working. I'm failed at this. Again, we have to go back and reclaim that attitude time and time again. And so the mental skills that we need to develop, we don't get trained with. Right now, less than 10% of any audience I talk with, when I say, okay, where in your training did you get a comprehensive perspective, understanding of the stress response and tools to manage it in your training to become the teacher, the professional, the, the surgeon? It doesn't really matter. It's like nowhere. I was just going to hop in here and say that I can see you training coaches to coach. 
I, because coaches have not all had this. Well, I don't, I don't think too many of them because your book just came mm-hmm. out, but to have this kind of coaching for the coaches mm-hmm. is so important. I think about how I felt about the piano before that 83 year old piano teacher smacked my knuckles. Well, I used to sit at the piano for hours as a little girl and I could see almost see my spiritual fingers playing sonatas, but my little teeny chubby dimpled fingers could only pluck out Mm -hmm. a note here, a note there, but my spirit loved the piano, wanted to play the piano and felt like it already knew how it just needed to learn the notes. And then I had somebody come in and I was so young, I was 11, whacking my knuckles that it made it not fun anymore, but I never lost sight Every time I sit down, even to just try to play a hymn, I'll sit down and I see my hands, spiritual hands all over that keyboard, just playing. And But I let a teacher, a coach, stop me because she didn't have the skills to coach me correctly. It is clearly an exciting thing. Um, I actually do have a peak performance certification for voice teachers, for musicians, for music teachers, and it has lots of application with that. Again. When we can bring the tools like that breathing exercise, what a simple little breathing exercise uh, into a lesson, into a teaching environment, everything really elevates. See, the peak performance skills that we need to have that we don't get, they deal with things like developing a mindset, an optimal performance mindset, uh, managing activation, uh, learning how to manage attention, focus, and control, grieving. See, we got to be able to let go of things. We got to be able to deal with the traumas and the bumps and the 83 year old teacher whacking the knuckles. Right on. Um, grieving, in a sense, or letting go is a peak performance skill. It's a mental peak performance skill that most of us don't really look at in that way. Um, to be able to organize our time, to be able to um, really begin to practice this visualization thing. And, there's so many different peak performance tools and skills that when they can start, when performers bring them into what they're doing, again, we see that elevation of the willingness of the energy, the excitement, the quality, the joy of it. And we just keep moving forward. Well, I see you filling stadiums and I see you not just teaching voice teachers how to coach their vocal students, because this is applicable in every area of our lives. There is, spiritual performance, there's emotional performance, there's mental performance, there's physical nutritional performance, there's, oh, there's every kind of social performance, social skills and, and, and feeling socially withdrawn. And I just, I can see this flooding stadiums with you teaching these principles. They're incredible. They're life-changing just sitting here in this hour with you, I feel like I have gleaned and gained so much. And so we are going to thank you, Dr. Skidmore, and we'll be right back after this station break for Joy Coaching America and helping you conquer anxiety.
from sea to shining sea and beyond. You're listening to Joy Coaching America Worldwide with show host and Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant. We're back. Joy Coaching America. This is Karen Lynn Grant interviewing Dr. John Skidmore about his book, Conquer Anxiety, How to Overcome Anxiety and Optimize Your Performance. John, I'm just going to ask you to lead into this segment with a story that identifies and accentuates one of the stages in your book. Great, Karen. So you were talking about stage one, the mindset and the goal. Stage two is about the mental and musical or technical or whatever preparation you need to have. That preparation being complete opens the door to getting ready to perform. Think of the phrase, ready, not really, going anyway, is what too many of us do. How about ready, set, go? See, when we can actually call our preparation complete, and then we can do what I call stage three, which is the get set part. And this is where most performers really struggle with, um, oh, fears of choking, fears of failing, their anxiety really builds. And it's in that pre-performance phase because they're thinking like, ready, ready. Okay, I got to be ready. So they practice right up to the moment they're going to present. It's like, ready, go. They don't do the ready, get set, go. So there was a student. I love that. Highlight the get set. Yes. That's your preparation, right? See, that's really what this is all about is when we can get set mentally to perform whatever we prepared in whatever format it is, we're going to have something really ready to share because we are ready to share that. It's not just what we've done. It's like, I am ready to give my gift. Mm, I love it. And that is such a, such an important thing and such a powerful thing. And so there was a student who uh, was really concerned. She thought she had done everything she needed to do through this whole process and was really disappointed in her performance. And this is a really neat thing about how these five stages can make a phenomenal difference. Because I basically said, let's look at the five stages. What was your goal? Well, she wanted to be like first chair in the college orchestra. And why are you doing this? She had lots of really good reasons and very motivated for this. And she was very excited about doing this. I looked at her preparation. What did she do mentally? What did she do musically? Everything you'd expect someone who was really wanting to do well, she did it. Did she declare preparation complete? Yeah, she did. Okay. Well, in stage three, the pre-performance stage, her attention shifted and she didn't know how to bring it back. And she got caught up actually listening to other performers audition through the doorway. And she went into comparison and went into judgment, built her, her anxiety, started to flow, and she just did not perform well. And that's what stage three is all about, is we've got to stay in that mindset. This is where the bold, confident, free, the joyous, the excited, the creative. I want to be in that mindset pre-performance. Now, we've all heard of visualization in one way or another, but this is the great place to practice the visualization. If she just sat there in front of the audience, maybe with her favorite music on and some headphone or sat there in front of the audition with a headphone on, with her favorite music there. And all she was just doing was breathing in, going, I'm ready. I'm bold. I'm excited. I got this. I can do this. It's that she wasn't thinking those kinds of things. She was thinking like, oh, I'm not that good. Ooh, I don't know if I could. Ooh, she played a really good. I, and it just generated so much anxiety. So 
there comes a point in time in this performance process where, that we declare our preparation complete. We go into the time frame of let's get ready logistically, emotionally, food, nutrition, body stuff, uh, uh, food, um, costuming, whatever we need to get the tie on, get the dress on, whatever it is we need. But the idea behind stage three is that our wide, our life starts out very wide. And then as we go into stage three, all those other parts of our lives begin to just fade away. And now at this point in time, we are on that edge of the stage and we are fully confidently ready to just step out there and burst. I love this. You brought up something huge. Um, I had just written a chapter in the book that I'm writing on the wrestle between good, better, and best and how we get into comparison. Mm -hmm. And I think that for those people, and this can take us back into like sibling in, if we were coached by a parent, so-and-so gets better grades than you. We learned to compare. Oh, sure. And then through constant comparison that was fed to us, then we learn to compete against other people rather than our best self. I love that stage three is honing in, stopping the outside voices, not listening to what how everybody else is excelling because it's too easy to get into comparison. And then just honing in on your skill, your mindset, your creativity, and what you have to offer. Did I get that right? You got it. I had a professional musician was referred to me to work with her because she had an original song and she was very, very anxious. And she was just more anxious than she was ever been before about this. And as I walked her through her process, it was clear about her stage one, what she's doing and why. And she knew what kind of mindset she was struggling, keeping it. There were some performance skills such as activation management and attitude management and these things that she was struggling with as well. But what it really came down to for her was she was concerned how people would receive this song. Mm. It was her heart. It was her heart. And you can appreciate that. And what was so amazing was when she really got that she could walk through stages one, two, and three, that stage three was about my gift is my gift. It's as shiny. It's as pretty. It's as big. It's as polished as it's going to get. And I asked her this this important question. What is the meaning of this gift? Why are you doing this? And she had lots of good reasons and meanings to it. Is that more important than being anxious? Like, is your anxiety more important in this stage, in this phase Mm -hmm. right now, or is giving your gift? That's beautiful. And it was like, I'm going to give my gift. I'm here to give my gift. Everything changed when she said, I'm going to give my gift. And she got out there. She gave her gift. Mm. And that's all she needed to do. Her anxiety. There's still some anxiety. I don't I don't tell people, you talk to me, you won't have any more anxiety ever. That, I don't promise that. But I can promise that you'll have tools and skills to move through it, get to the other side of it. And so for her to be able to say, I'm going to give my gift. And that is a beautiful thing because we have songs to sing and stories to tell and gifts to give. And when we're doing that, oh, our lives light up. We're excited. Things are so much more enjoyable. And you know what? It's not easy to do. We run into all kinds of obstacles and struggles and challenges and we get knocked down. And again, it's that risk and fail and it's risk again. And that's what we get to do. 
So that's got us to one, two, and three on the stages. Stage four, I've got time just to talk about stage four. Then we'll get to stage five, probably in the next segment. Stage four is the actual performance. And this is where we have the chance to step into that flow state, to step into, hey, I'm going to just give my gift. I'm going to put it out there. And what's really amazing to me is when you look at the characteristics of a peak performance, they match the characteristics of a child at play in a sandbox Hmm. on the playground. Happy. They are happy. They are present. They're enjoying what they're doing. Everything they're doing fits right in with the flow and the play of what's going on. And then all of a sudden it's like, Johnny, time to go home. Oh, do we have to? It's like, it's over. It's like snap. It's over. So the five stages really are a flow hack. It sets this up to, wow, I can step into, because my I know my mindset. I'm prepared mentally and musically or technically. My preparation is complete. I am ready to give my gift. I'm giving my gift. And boom, you go out there and you give your gift. What an exciting thing to be able to do. And gifts don't have to be perfect. Because none of us are perfect. Whatever gifts we have, we're going to give. None of us are perfect in that. And so many people get caught up in that sense. If I give a gift, it's got to be perfect. It's got to be so shiny. It's got to be so accepted. And then they have all kinds of anxiety and struggles around that. I think we've all heard a singer that hit every note right on. Not one flaw, not one sharp, not one flat. And maybe we weren't stirred. Mm -hmm. But then we've heard that person that came out that was so in tune with his or her own spirit, with God's spirit in them and just gave their gift. And there might have been an imperfection if we were looking, but the feeling Mm -hmm. and the charisma of that person's heart just coming out of their soul, just... It's, that's the stirring. That's the stirring performance. It's a beautiful performance. We can't perform at our peak all the time, and that's not the goal. We want to increase the frequencies of that, and we want to be able to manage it. So let's go out there and play. Step up, risk, enjoy. Go play. I love it. Let's play. It's playtime. Welcome. To the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace. One happy listener at a time. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America. This is Karen Lynn Grant interviewing Dr. John Skidmore, who is a clinical psychologist who has completed a book that he has co-authored called Conquer Anxiety, How to Overcome Anxiety and Optimize Your Peak Your Performance. I want to stick that word peak in there. Um, John, will you give everybody your website so they can know how to get this book and that extra goodie that they get that I am so excited about. So my website is J-O-N-S-K-I-D-M-O-R-E.com, johnskidmore.com. 
And you're welcome to email me at jon at johnskidmore.com. And um, you can order the book from the website. Um, you can also find it on Amazon. It's also on Kindle version or Audible. So it's out there in a number of different oh, places. I'm excited. And um, for those of you who are ordering through this program, and um, I will be sending you an additional peak performance tool. And this is me doing a visualization of the five stages with you. So it helps you identify mm -hmm. what your goal is, why you're doing this, what's your mindset, how you're preparing or how you, how you have prepared yourself mentally and musically. Okay, declaring that preparation complete. We're just following the five stages. I do this with nice little music in the background and a lot slower. Um, how we go to that pre-performance phase, that get ready phase. We're now set. Okay, go out there, jump in that performance. You know, the reality is when it comes to performances, talking about stage four, okay, um, we focus on something and our attention is really narrow and it gets wider and narrow. It's kind of like a scene change for the actor. They're on stage, they're in character, they walk off the stage and they have to deal with a table and they have to deal with people passing them. And okay, the scene changes, they have to come back on stage. They're basically going in and out of character. So we've got to understand this process of attention focus and being in the flow of things, being out of the flow. And it's nice to be able to practice some tools if we get tripped up. Let me share a great story about this. I would love it. Um, so this is a professional viola player in Chicago. And um, as I coached him, he basically said, when I play well, I play well. But if something trips me up, it's like an, a cascade to disaster. Mm. And so I basically said, let's come up with a trigger word. Let's come up with a word that could refocus you. And we talked about different words and he came up with the word cope. Because what he was realizing, he was not coping well. It's like this was happening. I'm not coping well. See, all I want to do, John, is cope. Okay, great. So we talked about recognizing that first response of ah, and having that second response be trained in as just cope. Cope with this. As a second response. That's a very it. stabilizing, grounding word. Yes, just cope with this. He came back and shared this story with me, and he was so excited. He was in his orchestra. He was getting ready to play a solo. He had a mute that was on his music stand in front of him, and his solo required a mute. Well, he's done this before, and he just reaches out for the mute, and his bow tipped the stand, hit the stand. The stand flipped. The mute flew off his stand, bounced on the stage, and then fell down a crack on the stage. Oh. <laughs> and he went cope. Okay. Oh, there's a mute on the stand next to him. So he reaches over and grabs the mute of the person next to him. He goes to put it on his viola and it's like, Ooh, I don't know how this fits. I don't, this isn't my mute. This cope. He's now handing his viola to the owner of the mute who puts it on his viola for him. Now he's ready to play. He was so thrilled that two things could have tripped him up and he coped through them just by knowing first response, not to be trusted. I'm here to cope. I'm here to focus on what's most important right now. And that's a decision again. We got to get that decider brain going. Wow. I hope that he visualized himself giving himself a standing ovation for that. I do too. I don't know. If he did <laughs> that was or not. awesome. See, that's when our performance, whatever it is, <clears throat> it just disappears so quickly. The performance is over. And then we get to do stage five 
of the five stages, stage five is the most important. See, we're raised with the idea that the performance was the most important. Like that's where it really counts. That's the win or the lose or the win or the loss. No, it's stage five is the most important because we'll have an option of doing a debriefing, really systematically looking at what worked, what didn't, what am I going to do next time, not only in preparation and mindset and performance and attitude, what worked, what didn't, what am I doing next time versus the post-performance bashing. That was bad. That was terrible. Uh Oh, I'm embarrassed. The self-talk. The self-talk, all that very negative chatter. And just think about this because you're involved as an audience, you're involved in a variety of different performance settings. And just think back to the last time you did something and, okay, it wasn't a pretty outcome for you. And in other words, a lot of self-criticism, self-berating, um, even degrading, hurtful kinds of things can happen. What if you were just to pause and say, okay, let's look at that situation again and say, what worked about it? Oh, there are usually things that work. In fact, for most of us as performers and whatever we're performing in, the majority of what we're trying to do, it shows up. And there's things that don't. I mean, I remember in high school years ago, I was being the MC, the little swing choir at, the, at Logan High School. And I forgot some person's name. I forgot Wendy's name. And I thought I ruined the entire performance. I was beating myself up. I felt terrible. Talked myself into a migraine headache, all because <laughs> I forgot Wendy's name, blocked on Wendy's name. Well, what worked about that program? Lots of things worked about it. What didn't? Remembering Wendy's name. Okay, what am I going to do next time? I'll figure it out. Laugh about it. Joke with it. Wendy, what's you know what, what's your name again? We've known each other since second grade, right? <laughs> okay. You know, have some fun with it. Bring some humor into it. I couldn't do that. And so the idea that we can look at what, what's working, what's not working, what am I going to do next time? See, that's part of that risk, fail, risk again. Okay, I risked what worked. What didn't? Okay, what am I going to do again? Let's get out there. Risk, fail, risk again. What's so amazing as I've talked to performers um, who have brought devastating, disastrous, embarrassing performances to me, they're stuck in the post-performance bashing. And I've talked to too many people who have ended their careers right then and there, not doing that again. That's a very powerful spell to cast upon yourself. Not doing that ever again. Okay. Now, there are some things that are wise to say that to. I've only stuck a nail in a wall socket once. Oh. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I mean, I've done that. <laughs> I was just, so, yeah, yeah, I guess I had to learn by experience. And sometimes we have to learn by experience, right? And so the idea here is that when we can look at our post-performance from what worked, what didn't, what are we doing next time? Is that not a success? Oh, I love this because this teaches us to be an objective witness. Mm -hmm. And instead of wrapping our performance in an emotion that is degrading or detrimental and ending up with, I'm never going to do it again, we might stop doing the very gift that God sent us to earth to do. I see your work as empathy-based coaching, like everything mm -hmm. I'm hearing. You hear their disastrous stories. Oh yeah. You make sense of them for them. You retrain them how to talk to themselves about that experience, reframe the whole, the, the, this is their gift, 
and then get them back out on their stage to give their gift. One of my favorite assignments in my performance psychology class is I have my students write a description of their worst performance ever. That's awesome. (laughs) And then we work on it for three weeks. Wow. And we go into every sentence and every word. And we start to look at this and say, wait a minute, what's true and what's false? What did you make up? What's the meaning you gave to this situation? And when they hand it in, it's called a victory statement. And they sound like, I discovered the importance of, I discovered the importance of having a backup read. I'll never perform with that one again. I just, I learned that I could make mistakes and finish strong. Do you have that in that book? Yes. That's rewriting your history. Oh, lots of stuff about rewriting that story. That's one of the biggest things that we have to do is to recognize how that midbrain of ours is all about our history. And it jumps up as a first response. And we've got to be able to bring that present day perspective and our tools and skills to say, wait a minute, that wasn't the worst thing in the world. I'm not a complete, utter failure. That wasn't devastating. Okay, it was uncomfortable and it was embarrassing. Yeah, it was. Okay, but it wasn't devastating. I love this. My heart is full. Oh, thank you. I feel excitement. I feel joy. I feel like you have just reframed so many things. I do believe that so many people stand in need of your work, John, your book. Again, you can go to Amazon. You can go to his website and get Conquer Anxiety. And we'll be right back after the station break. We're back, Joy Coaching America. This is Carolyn Grant interviewing Dr. John Skidmore. And I can honestly say, John, I don't want this show to end because I, this is part two and I'm, I'm thinking this is a 12 part series. This is so amazing to me. And I think right now in our nation, in our world's history, who is not facing anxiety? And I would love for you to finish wrapping up this book because it's beautiful. I love the concepts. I love your stages. Mm -hmm. And then we'll move into your definition of anxiety. Great. When we use the five stages, I see this time and time again, our willingness to perform. So just think for a moment in your own mind, in your own life, where would a increase in willingness make a difference for you right now? For the student, it might be just to raise their hand and ask a question in class. It might be to approach the boss about a promotion. I mean, raise that willingness. Where where would an increase in willingness make a difference in your life right now? Confidence. See, confidence is not knowing you're going to nail it. Confidence is knowing you can handle whatever shows up. Confidence is a handling. It's not a succeeding. And so to be able to step back and say, I am confidently doing this. I can handle whatever shows up. And again, the sense of enjoyment, the sense of joy, too many people in their lives as performing artists, as professionals, they lose the joy of what they're doing and get caught up in so much of the stress. And so, again, just ask yourself, where is there kind of a low level loss of joy or a big hole, no joy here? And just recognize that there's a process and tools to move forward with that. 
Now, the challenge here is we don't always see our own stuff. That's one of those kind of common human experiences. We don't notice a lot of things about how we do things. I know there's lots of things that I haven't noticed in terms of how I do things, but it's like later, it's like, oh, I've got to work through this. Or going to professionals like Karen to get some help, as I have done, uh, to help me move through and break through what's holding me back. Um, that's the five stages. Again, if you go to my website, john at johnskidmore.com, that's J-O-N at johnskidmore.com, right, johnskidmore.com. And if you order the book, I will also include a Relax the Body, Focus the Mind audio. That's a $15 value. And uh, just along with that for ordering the book. I have to say it's far more than $15 value. It's, it's priceless. on the website. Thank, <laughs> thank it's, you. It's priceless. You know, I think sometimes we hesitate to make purchases for our own self-care and our own self-nurturing. But I think that this is one of the most beautiful gifts you can give to yourself to get this book and to receive that gift from John on with the audio that's accompanying it. I think that this show has been very apropos. It's been very necessary. I, I know I have, I, I, my husband and I, we were coming out of a, uh, a home the other day where we were visiting some people, some friends, and we had just heard some very tragic things that had been going on in their lives. And my husband looked at me and he said, Karen, everybody's going through something right now, aren't they? And I said, yes. And if they're not, they know somebody who is, and because of the internet and Facebook, we're all on each other's front row seats. We're mm -hmm. all hearing what's going on and, and taking it to heart. And some of us are super sensitive and we really feel the, the grief of the world when we really should be turning it over to the Savior. And so I just encourage you to get this book. I really am going to share it with my joy coaches and encourage people to come to your 11 o'clock on Thursday's Conquer Anxiety webinar that is free, that we can all join up. I do see you filling stadiums, and I do see that performance isn't limiting itself just to singing and dancing. We're all on earth stage right here, right now, giving our gift, our calling, and our mission. So now I just want to ask you, oh, I wanted to make this point. You mentioned that you, you had come to me for some help. And I think that it's so important that we all realize that none of us is in a situation where we can do it all by ourselves. We do need each other. We need to make connections. We deserve to make connections with people who can look at our experience the way John has done with his students and help them to reframe the tragedies in performance that they've experienced, the sad experiences, help them to reframe those experiences. I think this is the, the beauty of having a, a coach that can exercise empathy, kindness, love, and compassion as they hear your story and help you to reframe that and find the blessing in disguise and rewrite your history into a far more glorious future. So I just want to encourage you, if you need John's help, please, his assistance in reframing your life or a sad experience or a tragic performance, please feel free to give him a call. And John, do you want to give out your phone number? Yes, um, it's 801 854-7942. And uh, I'd be happy to talk to you and see if there's some way I could be of support to you and uh, see what kind of resources could make a difference in your life. Okay. And also your email address. 
J-O-N at J-O-N-S-K-I-D-M-O-R-E. Thank you so much for being so willing to give so much to us. .com, Skidmore.com. John John at JohnSkidmore.com. There you go. John at JohnSkidmore.com. That's J-O-N. Drop the H. He has no H in his name. J-O-N. John, I want to ask you to help our listening audience to understand. We've just heard the the brilliance that went into your authoring, co-authoring this book, and that it is complete. And there, yet there's so much more for all of us to glean. One of the things I would like for you to define for us before we close the show today is what is the difference between normal anxiety and an anxiety disorder? How can we know what we're up against? You know, it is very typical and normal to have anxiety for things. A shocking experience, a tragedy, a first response of something can bring anxiety. An anxiety disorder is really anywhere anxiety is interfering with a lifestyle, interfering with choices, interfering with careers. Um, It's interfering with living life. Now, the good news is anxiety disorders of the mental health concerns is actually one of the most effectively treated disorders. But there's a problem with this. Avoidance is highly effective. So if we get nervous, anxious, scared about something, and we avoid it, we're almost immediately calmer. So even though there's the highest likelihood of success in overcoming things, we've all practiced avoidance in lots of ways. I was at a park and there was a group of musicians there at the park. My son was there as a percussionist and this was just gonna be a jam fest. And all of a sudden the, the, the musicians were up there and someone says, well, let's play Summertime. My first thought was, I know the vocals for that but I couldn't own it. My anxiety came over. It hit me. It's like, I did not, if I'd have walked up there and said, I know the vocals for this, that is did great. There's a mic. But no, that midbrain took over and it's like, oh, not doing it. And see, we've all experienced that. Um, and so just recognizing that if we are facing our fears, if we're developing the tools and skills that we need to move through them, we get bigger. Our world gets bigger. It gets more interesting, more exciting. There's just more places to go if we are moving through that anxiety, if we're getting to the other side of it. But likewise, if we start to avoid and we shut down and we stop, we get smaller and our world gets bigger and scarier. Now, not to say there aren't scary things out there in the world, but we're talking about things that might be in our best interest to move forward. It might be more enjoyable if we could go from here to there. And we're basically saying, no, I'm not big enough. I can't own that. I couldn't own the vocals to summertime, so I didn't go up there and share it. Um, But we all do that. And that's where we get to practice that sense of compassion on ourselves when things don't go as we anticipated. The other thing I'd really like to say is anxiety disorders are very challenging to just overcome on your own. So if you or someone you know is really dealing with an anxiety disorder, Find a psychologist, find a therapist, a coach in your area that you can start to work with and really start to understand not only where is this coming from, but what to do about it. Um, For too many people, anxiety is the dominating, controlling factor in their life. And unfortunately, all that's really doing is keeping them from sharing their gifts and telling their stories. And so there's a lot of help out there. And that's probably my greatest frustration as a psychologist. There's lots of help out there, but it's hard for people to access it. 
I want to ask you, as you transition from clinical psychologist into full-time coaching, and if a person were to want to come to you for your services, would you take on clients if somebody said, oh, I think I have, from based on your description, I think I have an anxiety disorder, would you take on that in your coaching? You know, that would be a conversation to you have. need to have with that, that individual. In a case-by-case thing. I haven't basically said I'm stopping all clinical cases. That really is a case-by-case basis and saying, okay, what's going to be best for you? And uh, there's a lot of great resources out there. My Thursday Conquer Anxiety webinar. What a simple but great resource. I've had people from around the world show up on it. And again, if you were to call the office, 801-854-7942, they can get you registered for it. Uh, there's information on that online as well. Um, what, a, what a simple thing, but great place to start. Have you turned your previous, how long have you been doing these webinars? You know, it's been my first attempt to actually put myself out there. I've actually been doing it over a year now. So you have one a week for a whole year. Yeah. Have you turned them into podcasts so that people can go back and access them? You know, that's my next step. Oh, that's awesome. I can help you with that. Thank you. I'll I'll be wanting your help with that. That is so wonderful. I also want to, I believe that part of my role as the interviewer is to edify the person that I, that I'm interviewing. And I, boy, so many processes are going on in my heart my mind and my whole spirit at the same time as I listen to this, this call today. And I just want to give a just a vote of confidence. I've known John for many, many years, and I have come to love, respect, and admire him and his work. And I also feel that as a woman who has gone through um, divorce, I've gone through annulment, I have experienced uh, heartbreak and heartache, I can see the benefit of having a man's voice if you have been hurt or wounded by a masculine voice. How important it would be to get that audio and to listen with eyes closed and aromatherapy going and in a deep state of relaxation and let the tone of empathy, kind, kindness, and compassion begin working upon your viewpoint of yourself. This can be huge for people who have experienced heartache. We're Joy Coaching America. Thank you very much.